Rolling along here, locked on SEC. And, uh, you know, look, as we're getting ever so closer to spring ball and looking ahead to next season, we'll be kind of catching up with a lot of, a lot of our different locked on hosts and getting kind of the state of uh, their team as we head into a, another season of SEC football just a couple of months away. And joining the SEC this year will be the Texas Longhorns. And nobody better to get in than our buddy Jonathan Davis, host of Locked On uh, Longhorns. And they are ready to come into the SEC. It was funny. I heard somebody uh, the other day saying, yeah, uh, they're not really a member yet. They're still playing basketball in the Big 12. They still have to play a baseball season in the Big 12, softball and all that. But come this summer, they are in. As far as football talk goes, they're in. I mean, they're done with the Big 12. So, Jonathan, welcome in, man. Uh, how has your uh, – it's been a busy offseason so far for the Longhorns, and it hasn't been very long. Yeah, you know, we get into the offseason and, you know, being on Locked On, being a daily show, you start to think about, like, once the season is ending, all right, what am I going to talk about in the offseason? But thankfully, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has been, you know, so on fire with the transfer portal and all of the recruiting that I haven't had to really think too hard about what I'm going to talk about because it feels like we're getting a commitment every other day. So uh, thankful that Steve Sarkeesian and his ace recruiters have given me a lot of content to talk about on Locked On Longhorns, but definitely killing it in the recruiting game. Uh, you know, he said on an interview with Dapt or Die, and this current era of, you know, the NIL and the one-time transfer rule. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find too many coaches that have adapted better than Steve Sarkeesian to the current era of modern football, college football, I should say. Yeah, we're going to get to some of the guys that, that they've uh, added to the portal here. But uh, first, I, I got to ask you, because I've been asking everybody this, uh, where were you and, and what was the reaction when you hear the news a couple of weeks ago, Nick Saban stepping away from college football and retiring? I was at home and it's one of those things like when you get the notification on your phone, you know, especially now, like, you know, as, being on Twitter as much as I am, I'm thinking like, oh, OK, this is a parody post like or this is fake. Right. I have to go see if there's a blue check mark. I have to go make sure that the, the spelling is right on the Twitter handle. Right? It's like, right. oh, Nick Saban really retired. Right. And I was just shocked, appalled. You know, I, I put it in the perspective of my life. I'm 30 years old right now. Currently, like I'm a semi old man in the workforce. Right. I was a freshman in high school when Nick Saban started at Alabama like I was a junior in high school when Texas lost in the national championship and Nick Saban got his first at Alabama and now I'm 30 years old so I mean for half my life it seems like Nick Saban has been at Alabama and now you know moving forward it'll be Kalen DeBoer and it's just crazy like how much of a, a shift it's caused right like you know he leaves Alabama and then you know half of their players decommit or enter the portal and then Kalen DeBoer comes over from Washington and then they have an exodus on their players and then that Arizona coach replaces them. And, and now Arizona's program is, you know, in flux and then San Jose State. Like it, it's just crazy how much movement and how many dominoes one man has caused, you know, in, in Nick Saban's retirement. But all the credit in the world to, you know, arguably the GOAT in the sport. You know, it's sad. Obviously, you know, this gives opportunity to other schools to take over that spot and, you know, be more competitive long term in college football. But as a college football fan, you hate to see um, somebody who's meant so much to the sport, you know, and Nick Saban walk away. And I think that, you know, it kind of gives credence to, you know, something else that we've talked about in terms of like a smaller conversation. Right. We've seen a lot of historical coaches, whether it be in basketball or football, walk away recently. Right. Like we saw Coach K. We saw Jay Wright. We saw Roy Williams and now we're seeing Nick Saban. I'm probably forgetting somebody in football, but we've seen, you know, some of the, the most historical coaches of our lifetime walk away recently. And a lot of talk has been about, you know, this current era pushing coaches away. Right. Like a lot of people will joke and say now that everybody's getting Dodge Chargers, Nick Saban doesn't want to coach anymore. Right. But I think there is right. Like some truth to, you know, 
what made college football special, what made college football appealing to the fans was that passion, right? That undying passion. You knew in the NFL or these professional sports that people were getting paid. And, you know, that probably took away some of the passion, energy and effort from the sport and the product that you were seeing. But that amateurism, you know, people just playing for their college, for, for pride, for their area, for their region. Um, I think that was the main appeal of college football. And I think now that it's become more professional, it's become more about money, it's become more about opportunity, it's become more about self than team. I do think that has pushed some of the greatest coaches in the sport, basketball and football away. And I think part of that is why Nick Saban walked away from the game when I think he still has so much to give. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people said it was the the having to re-recruit the roster every offseason. I mean, the people, yeah. you know, look, talk about, you know, coaches coming and leaving, commitment to kids, whatever. But, like, typically, it used to be when a kid committed to you. I mean, it's what they say, you know, the Under Armour game. For the next three to four years, I'm going to. So, you know, once you get that kid, you're like, all right, we got him at least three years. We don't have to worry about that position. And I've, I've been in some of these offices where they've had the depth charts for the next three years set up. Well, now it's like you really can't think past one year. Like, you can lose your entire roster after one year and having to re-recruit kids every offseason. I think Saban just said, I'm done with it. I can't do this. I don't have the time or the patience, you know, being being his age. And it's funny, you mentioned, you know, older coaches, Mac Brown. I mean, how is he still going to North Carolina? I thought he would have hung it up by now. But you're right. I do think we're going to start to see this continue. Let's talk a little bit about the aftermath because – Whereas, you know, one team is down, another team jumps in and takes advantage. And Sark and the Texas Longhorns certainly did that in jumping into the portal, first getting Kendrick Blackshire, the linebacker from Alabama, and then two big-time playmakers for Bama this past year, wide receiver Isaiah Bond and tight end Amari Nyblack. Just talk about those additions and what those guys are going to bring next year. Yeah, so I love the addition of Kendrick Blackshire because I think more than just on the football field, it shows – you know, where Texas is currently as a program, right? We've seen for over a decade some of the best talent in the state of Texas leave the state of Texas or go to other institutions in the state of Texas outside of the flagship university because they felt like there was their best chance to win football games in college, and that was their best chance to be developed at the next level. So now imagine a linebacker leaving the University of Alabama to come back to the University of Texas where he's from because he feels like that's his best chance to get development and play at a high level in the NFL, right? It's crazy. You wouldn't have thought of that three years ago. And three years ago, he obviously made the right decision to go to Alabama rather than going to the University of Texas. And then you talk about somebody in Amari Nyblack um, and Steve Sarkeesian's system, and I'm so excited to see it, especially when you lose a player like Jatavian Sanders, you know, that move tight in that, you know, creates so many mismatches for everybody on the field. Um, Steve Sarkeesian has said on record that tight end is the second most important position in his offense. And we know that this offense, as flashy as it is on the outside, still specializes in the, in the run game and still specializes uh, in, you know, 12 – personnel with two tight ends. And I think, you know, Nye Black can be an underrated blocker as well. So average 16.4 yards per reception last year, 25% of his receptions went for over 20 yards. Very explosive. Excited to see him take that to the next level in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. And of course, Isaiah Bond, who looks like the Xavier Worthy replacement, right? And I think he made the biggest play in college football last year. You cover the SEC. You can either co-sign this or not. Fourth and 31 in the Iron Bowl on the road, you know, with the college football playoffs on the line, SEC championship on the line. I don't think it gets bigger than that. So, you know, I think uh, the most catches Xavier Worthy have ever had in a season was 75. I think the most yards he ever had in a season was 1,014. I'm looking for Isaiah Bond to break both of those metrics this season under year three, Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. It's going to be uh, fascinating to see what both of those guys do. Uh, a couple more minutes here with our buddy Jonathan Davis, host of Locked On Longhorns, in just a sec. 
continue our conversation with Jonathan Davis, host of Locked On Longhorn. Uh, Jonathan, it's uh, interesting. I've had a lot of people asking, you know, are the Longhorns SEC ready? Um, you know, obviously they have the season they just did. They appear SEC ready, but in your opinion, are the Longhorns SEC ready? Yeah, I think they are. And I, and I really don't get the argument on why they would not be. Like, I, I think there's just a bunch of people like kicking the can down the road that said, oh, Texas is going to fall like they usually do in the Big 12 or people saying we only did what we did this year in the Big 12. And I think undoubtedly, like the SEC is a tougher conference. Like, I, I do think it means more as cringy as that, <laughs> you know, that slogan is. Right. But Texas went on the road like and I'm not trying to just keep, you know, beating this horse, but like Texas went on the road to Tuscaloosa and beat the SEC champion. When we talk about the SEC being tough, it's always the top, right? We're not talking about Vanderbilt. We're not talking about Mississippi State. We're not talking about Florida right now or those programs at the bottom. Like, we're talking about the very top, and they beat Alabama. I'm not sure if they can beat Georgia next year, but it would be a very competitive game if they were to play Ole Miss, LSU, anybody. It would be very competitive. When you look at the way they've recruited over the last, you know, three, four years in the high school ranks and in the transfer portal, I think only uh, Georgia and Alabama have have out recruited them. Right. And I think in the transfer portal, they've out recruited both of those schools. Um, they were one of the four best teams in the country this year. Right. And I think if they didn't fumble the ball two times, they're probably playing in the national championship against Michigan. So um, I just don't really get the argument that Texas is not SEC ready. You know, I know some people say that it's not playing the Georgias and the Alabamas, but it's the SEC schedule week in and week out. And, you know, maybe I'm, you know, underestimating a full SEC schedule, you know, obviously games at Arkansas and at Texas A&M are going to be tough next year, but I just don't see how you can look at this Texas program, what they're building, what they've built over the last three years and say, they're not ready to compete in the SEC. Like, I just don't get that, especially with the win over Alabama on the road, you know, in Tuscaloosa. And then when I look at uh, my bad. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, when I look at the way they've recruited the last three years, the best players <laughs> like on the field typically win in college football, right? Like that's usually what it comes down to. The best players on the field typically win in college football. And Texas is never going to go into a season where they play more than, you know, nine or 10 games where they're not the best, or excuse me, I shouldn't even say that. They're never going to go into a season where they play three or four games where they're not the most talented team on the field, right? Like most times, more times than not, Texas is going to be the most talented team on the field. Coaching remains to be seen. Culture remains to be seen resiliency that remains to be seen and we won't see that until they get into the sec but based on what we can see right now and what we saw this year they're absolutely ready to go into that conference and be one of the best teams in that conference yeah the uh obviously big test in week two for texas next 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 season going to michigan but sounds like jim harbaugh may be in the nfl and they'll have a new coach there so you know maybe maybe that game gets a little bit easier but your three your first road you know, true road conference game in the SEC is at Vanderbilt. I mean, that's about as easy as you can get for uh, for Texas. And, and only three, with playing Oklahoma neutral field, only three road SEC games next year at Vandy, at Arkansas, and at A&M to finish off the season. So the, the toughest one there might be the last one of the season. So it's uh, yeah. it's schedule certainly sets up for Texas. Of course, they've got to get Georgia, you know, they get Georgia coming to Austin this year. It's Fascinating to see that one. One more for you, Jonathan. I got to ask you because this kind of grabbed the headlines a week ago with Rodney Terry, the basketball coach, taking exception to horns down. Uh, I got to be honest, a lot of the perspective from a lot of SEC fans was, oh man, if they're getting their feelings hurt on this, wait till they get to the SEC. Every fan base is going to be throwing horns down. I guess, where are you on the horns down? Do you, do you hate it? Uh, because look, if, if Longhorns fans keep telling the SEC, you know, hey, 
we can't stand it. Well, guess what? You're going to get it everywhere you go next year. Yeah, I, I, I think the misconception and I, and I think the horns down thing goes into like the whole narrative of Texas, like, you know, the crybabies, they're soft, you know, the wine and cheese fans. So the horns down is like, you know, then it became a penalty. You know what I mean? In the Big 12, which is absolutely egregious. So that's just a bad look on us. Mac Brown complained about it. So I think that Texas fans have been fighting the horns down stigma for a long time. Right. Because it was like based on the actions of other people, it made it seem like we were soft and we couldn't take other people doing hands down when it's competition. Like we get it. Like it's a recognizable hand sign everywhere you go. Of course, people are going to throw it down. I don't think Texas fans have a problem with it. I think Texas fans problem with it is the narrative that we're soft and we get in our feelings because people are throwing horns down. Like we understand it's competition. I think what Rodney Terry did was add unnecessary fuel to the fire because right now you know, it's been over a week and we're talking about it on locked on SEC. They were talking about it on national, uh, you know, program. And I saw Joel Quet, Joel Clatt weigh in, like, you know, he doesn't even cover college basketball. Like he tweeted about it. Um, and so I think Rodney Terry, unfortunately, they had lost a tough, uh, a tough game. They'd had a tough season up until this point. Great win on Saturday against a top 10 Baylor team um, started off one and three in conference. Oh, and two at home. You blow a 17 point lead to UCF. Right. And so you're already dealing with that emotionally. And then now they're jumping up on your logo, throwing the horns down and, you know, in his words, celebrating like they won a national championship. So I think he was just emotional. I think he, you know, got too ahead of himself, tried to coach another team and tried to tell another team how to win instead of worrying about why his team lost and, and blew a 15 point lead. But if you're asking what, you know, what the general consensus is of the Texas fan base about horns down. We don't care. We don't care who in the SEC is going to throw it up. And we feel like when we get to the SEC, most teams won't have the opportunity to throw it up because we're going to be winning the majority of our games. Nice. I, I like that. Uh, I like that perspective. Of course, November 30th, uh, that is going to be the one with uh, the Longhorns going back to College Station. And uh, I'm sure win or lose, the Aggies will be throwing it down. I still fast songs but the songs for both schools are about uh saw varsity's horns off and all this kind of stuff it's just fascinating that both uh both fan bases this is a rivalry that had to be renewed so thank god we are getting it back yeah, jonathan absolutely. davis <laughs> jonathan davis host of locked on longhorns let everybody know where they can find your stuff yeah john's o ball like lonzo ball uh the personal twitter locked on horns uh, the Longhorn Twitter and then Locked on Longhorns, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, audio or on YouTube. Um, you can also find me uh, next year in the SEC championship game, wherever it's at, right, with Texas facing off whoever we plan to beat that day. <laughs> wherever it's at. It's in Atlanta, all right? It's not going anywhere. You guys have to – you all have to search directions to Atlanta. You all never been there before. So we'll see uh, We'll see if the Longhorns are there. He is Jonathan Davis, host of Locked On Longhorns. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. For your second listen, you can go check out Jonathan, Locked On Horns. You can go check out uh, Locked On Sports Today, streaming 24-7 on the YouTube channel. We will talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked On SEC.